going to be uh, following up, of course, uh, just what we did last week, and we're in verses 14 through 20, 14 through 20. Um, I'll say a word about uh, verse 21, uh, just so you know why we're not dealing with it. Uh, just briefly, uh, verse 21 was not in any of the earliest manuscripts of the book of Matthew. In other words, Matthew didn't write it in his book, therefore it's not a part of Matthew. Somebody added it. Uh, somebody added it because of what it says in the book of Mark, and it should not have been added because that adds to Matthew's, uh, what, what Matthew wanted us to get. And so we won't deal with that because it wasn't in the early manuscripts. I hope you understand what I mean by that. Um, if it was in the early manuscript, then we would take it a part of Matthew, but it wasn't. Okay, having said that, just by way of housekeeping, that, that's uh, why if you have a good study Bible, that's why it's in brackets. It's telling you that uh, there was a problem with that text in the manuscripts. Okay, well, you didn't come here for textual criticism, which is the art of finding those things out. Uh, you came here to find out what the Bible says, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, from uh, the looks of this text, we can expect uh, the following thing, and that is uh, if we have an input into a ministry that is a micro-input, uh, we can assume that if we employ a micro amount of faith uh, for a ministry that the outcome is going to be micro at best. Now, um, I have an illustration here. I actually wrote this sermon 25 weeks ago. I can't remember where I got it. And for some reason, I didn't uh, have, uh, have it uh, noted in my text as far as where I got it. So I looked for about an hour yesterday, and I couldn't find where I got it. I went through commentaries. I went on the Internet. And I, just, I couldn't find it. And so for intellectual uh, uh, accountability, it is true. I had it 25 weeks ago. I just don't know where it went and uh, what happened. But it's about uh, a company. And the reason I'm sad about that, I wanted to know more about what they actually did, and I'll just tell you what I learned when I did this in the first place. It's called Mountain Movers Construction Company, LLC. Now, if you're sitting out there thinking, well, I can pull, my, pull that up on my phone and find it real quick for pastor, you can't. Uh, I spent an hour pulling things up on my, uh, my computer. It's just, I don't know what happened to it. But anyway, um, if, you, if you had a company and you hired them, they're called Mountain Movers Construction. By the way, lots of moving companies call themselves Mountain Mover, but anyway... Uh, Mountain Mover Construction Company, LLC, you would expect that when you got to their website, you would see big earth-moving equipment, bulldozers, backhoes, uh, road graders, all kinds of things like that. But when you get there, you don't find any equipment at all. They don't show a picture of one single earth-moving piece of equipment. Instead, uh, it talks about how they, uh, how they come to do their job. Well, it says they show up to the job site and uh, in parentheses, to level a mountain for you, and they show up with a handful of Christian construction workers, and then they uh, join hands and gather for prayer at that site with their hats off. Uh, their goal is nothing less than to move that mountain by faith. I, didn't, I wasn't able to find out more information. Have they ever seen a mountain move? You know, and they're talking about a geographical mountain, uh, a big mound of dirt. Uh, if, and I grew up in Colorado, so I know what a mountain is. Uh, and uh, they're talking about that, but they're talking about moving it just by faith. I don't know what they cost. I don't know what their success rate has been. But uh, most of us around here would probably hire a bulldozer and a road grader and a backhoe. Uh, we we want to pray, too, but we... Uh, still jump in the backhoe and we're going to go move that mountain uh, with those things. 
but these people don't do that. And I'd like to know how successful they are. I don't know how successful they are, and I'm sad about that, but we will be sad together. Uh, the point is, there is a company like that. That's what they do. And uh, I don't know how many of you, if you had something to move, like a mountain out on the farm, if you would call them uh, and ask them to come do it. Well, I, I think that uh, if that worked, it wouldn't be uh, uh, bad to give them a call because <clears throat> wouldn't that make it a very easy job if you had a big mountain to move and you just call these guys and uh, you pr they have them pray about it? I suppose the biggest issue is going to be where are they going to put the mountain once they get it picked up? On the neighbor's property or where, where's it going to go? Uh, but it would be an easy thing, and uh, you would have to uproot and move uh, maybe a huge tree sometime. It would be easier just to call these guys and uh, not bring in the equipment, have them move the tree. Uh, no problem to these guys if the faith team shows up, apparently. And the question I have is, does faith move literal mountains? Is that what God meant? Are there a lot of Christians running around the world saying, this mountain's in the wrong place, I'd like to move it over to my neighbor's property or whatever I want to do, and they, they move mountains? Well, I'm going to say it is possible. Yes, that could happen. Uh, God can move a mountain. But is that what Jesus had in mind in our text today, the excavation projects that you have uh, around the place? Or is there something bigger than that in mind? And I'm going to say there's something much bigger. It's something bigger because it's not something you can see. It's something bigger because oftentimes, in order to see if it's done, it takes faith. Faith in God, faith in what God can do. And what if it's your ministry, and your ministry is not moving mountains around, literally. Your ministry is handling the opposition of the enemy, handling the opposition of people, and trying to get your ministry done. I think those are things that God has in mind. It's something bigger than moving a physical mountain. I don't want you to hear what I didn't say. I didn't say God couldn't move a physical mountain. He, he of course, can. Uh, I don't know that he wants us, that that's the main focus of our ministries, go around moving mountains. Uh, God can also part seas. He's done that before, and I have no problem believing he can, and uh, maybe in our ministry we need that to happen. God's the one that can do it. What I do want to say is that God can help you with a ministry, even if it looks impossible. God can help you with a ministry, even if you say it can't be done. God can help you with a ministry that nobody else could do. God can help your ministry. If he calls you to do something, no matter how big that mountain looks like, you and God can do it. No matter what the opposition is, you and God can do it. Well, let's take a look at this, and I want to bring us into the context, okay? So we look down in verse 28 of Matthew uh, 17. And this is where Jesus made the promise. Some of you are standing here today, and you will not die before you, uh, you will not taste death before you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And then that happened for three of the disciples. Jesus took up on the mountain. I'm saying it's Mount Hermon. Some people say other mountains. But they, they went up onto this mountain, and there Jesus was transformed right before their very eyes. And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became, became white, uh, whiter than white, like light. And that's happened uh, just, uh, just uh, you know, right before what we're going to run into today. And we understand that they saw Moses and Elijah come and talk to Jesus about what he's about to do in terms of dying on the cross and making a way for us to be saved. And uh, Peter gets excited about that, and he says, hey, I'd like to build three commemorative booths, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. 
and uh, they're gone, and he was following the wrong path, and Jesus takes them, and they go down the mountain. When they get down the mountain, there's a crowd of people there, and the other nine disciples are there, and it's this crowd that Jesus is talking to or going to be talking to. So we pick that up in verse 14. That's where we're at today. By the way, that was chapter 16, verse 28, and then verse seven, was chapter 17. All right, so in verse 14, here's what it says. When they came to